Thank you so much, guys, and Ross, for those kind words. Um, but Ross, you stole my lines <laughs> during communion, so now we've got nothing to preach. <laughs> Just want to tell everyone that God loves you. Amen. <laughs> uh, I joke, I joke. I'm going to start from the beginning. As Ross said, my name is Luto, and I, I've got like the very privilege, as you're going to find out now, of leading the youth, and I think it's what God has been using to... Uh, work out my salvation as a person because it's just, you know, it's such an incredible place to actually get to, like, see stuff about yourself and learn stuff about yourself, learn stuff about other people and practice grace. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's really, it's been awesome. Ross said we've had the, we've been back for a little bit now and we've had the two most incredible weeks. Uh, we finished on a high last year and now we've started again on a high. Someone let us demo a smoke machine last week and this week. It's like awesome, except it like always hisses while I'm trying to preach. So thank the Lord it's not here today. Um, but yeah, with no further ado, if that's a phrase you use for this kind of stuff, I'm going to introduce today's topic. And so we're carrying on with the series Courageous Community, but we're going to be speaking about being gospel-centered now. So I did this, if, if you had youth on Friday, highly unlikely at this time, but if you were, you would have heard a variation of this message, very similar. Uh, that would have been... Yeah, less polished than this. And then if you want to hear a really polished version of this, come to the next service. This is just getting warmed up. So anyways, I asked the question, what is the gospel? Because I think people don't understand. I also asked this at DHS. I'm really preached out. I think I've been at like three schools this week, maybe four, and then youth and preaching today all day. So I'm not bragging. I'm just saying like I'm very preached out. So eventually I resorted to just preaching the same message to prepare me for today. But I asked the question, what is the gospel? Funny guy at DHS, he wasn't trying to be funny. He was just like a type of music because that's all he knows gospel to be. And so we've had all those kinds of funny answers and we don't know exactly what the gospel is. And so if we want to know, I mean, if we want to know how to be gospel-centered, I think it's important to understand the gospel. And so that's what we're going to do today. And I, I'm just going to start by, I guess, reading the straight-out definition. Is the, the word gospel means the good news. And this is specifically with regards to the revelation of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that in mind, that being the good news, the next logical question would be, why is it the good news? And this is where Ross started stealing my lines, because in order to do this, we have to go back to the beginning. And so maybe you've heard me say this before. But the way I look at things is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I believe it. And he called it good. And so I look at creation. I look at the heavens and the earth. I look at all the pictures I've seen and all the scientific explanations of things that are going on as far as we can understand. And it's breathtaking. It's awe-inspiring. It's incredible. I, like, I binge-watch Planet Earth when, while everyone else is watching other series. I watch Planet Earth, and I just listen to David Attenborough as he just describes the Earth, and it's exactly what he called it. It is good, but like good in its purest form. It's incredible. And so I, I believe that with all of my heart, and that starts at the biggest level. Like, at, like we've got, we know galaxies and universes and things that, like, blows my mind is that all of this stuff is in like perfect balance. It's not like Mars is bumping into Jupiter and Earth is like not sure and has to like, you know, and meteors can't get into our vibe. Like everything is just, imagine just for like humor me for a second and picture the universe as you've seen it most wonderfully displayed. Nothing interferes with anything. 
It's perfect. Then we zoom in to good old planet Earth. And again, the moon and the, the, moon and the tides work together, the birds and the, and the bugs and the cows with the insects. Like everything works together for the good of everything. I think it's called like symbiosis or something like that. Everything is like, they're in a relationship, man, and it's incredible and everything works. In The Lion King, it's called the circle of life. And it's like, that's the best way to describe it. And it's just, it's perfect and it works. And like, like lions don't bully bucks and like bucks don't finish the cross. And like everything is just balanced. And then you go one step further, you get good old human beings. <laughs> boy, oh boy, did something go wrong <laughs> with good old human beings. And so I believe it when, when the Bible says that a serpent came into the garden and deceived the man, or the woman in this case, but we're not, who's, who's counting, who's pointing fingers? <laughs> But he said, did, did God really say that? When he said, don't eat of this or you'll die. And I believe that God did. And they, the way the snake played it to them, he twisted it a little bit because that's what he does. He just sells you like a little bit of a counterfeit of the real thing. And so he says, he's afraid that you're going to be like him, knowing good and evil. Another interpretation is deciding good and evil on your own terms. Becoming your own God. How is it in an in a ever-expanding galaxy with planets and universes that have yet to be discovered and explored that the one thing that's out of balance is us? Does it not make it easy to believe that the fall happened and its consequences were real? So that's just like how my simple mind processes that kind of stuff. And so I believe we suck as Ross said we we're bad you know um and <laughs> i'm blaming it on him but there's kind of three levels this is because he said if you eat of this tree you will surely die and death happens at three levels as i understand it it's the physical death i think we're made to be eternal we're made in the image of god and so we're we these we've got a spark of divinity in us and some like in some sense we're made to live forever and i know that back in the dizzle day that's like back in the day people lived I need to get that out of my vocabulary, it's bad. People lived a lot longer than they do now. And so the, the physical death is real. We will die and we, we've died. And then there's a the second death, is the spiritual death, is that we live a counterfeit life chasing other God-like things because of the void we have be, from being out of relationship with God. Spiritual death. And then there's social death where things just degenerate into chaos and all the rest, which is also real. And if you... Watch, the further we've moved from God, the more things have degenerated. Understand this about sin, because when we, we've, you know when a word is overused, it starts to lose its potency. The thing about sin is that in its original term, it means to miss the mark. Because when we became gods on our own terms, we, 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 we adopted something called a subjective moral standard. I'm God of my life, and I decide what good, what's good for me. Our subjective moral standards miss the mark of God's holy standard. And in so doing, we sin. We miss the mark. We've got all these ideas of what it's like. And in doing that, we become selfish. I'm going to do what's good for me. You're going to do what's good for you. There's no way that a functional society can work when people operate that way. And so the Chinese are going to fish. The people are going to abuse African, African countries, poor Afri African countries. 
I'm like, young guys are gonna take advantage of young ladies. Like, things are gonna happen that shouldn't be happening because everyone has got a subjective moral standard for, about what's good for them. I'm God of my life. I'm gonna decide what's good based on me. And so it says like this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's that simple. We have all sinned. We've all missed God's holy standard and we fall short of it. We can't get to God. We've been separated from him. In that sense, we've died. Jordan Peterson, I'm sure all of you know who Jordan Peterson is, uh, uh, author and clinical psychologist. He says it like this, good and evil run down the middle of every human heart. And the first thing you're supposed to do with this battle is win it on your own territory. That's a difficult thing to do because it means you have to recognize yourself as a perpetrator of great evil. And that is what you are. That's a terrible thing for people to learn. I mean, you look at the 20th century and you think, well, who brought on the horrors of the communist system or the horrors of the Nazi system? And the answer is people just like you. That's the answer. And if you don't understand that and you think the answer is wrong, you're not very wise. There is an... an I know Christians and I've been a Christian and I probably am to some degree still that doesn't really believe I'm bad. <laughs> I gotta, I've had that arrogance in me and I've met people with that arrogance that say the thing because it's the right thing to say. It's like, oh, all have sinned and fall short of But in the back of my head, I'm like, at least I'm better than him. The thing we need to realize is that the line between good and evil runs down the middle of every single human heart. You're not as good as you think you are. If you're a vegan that stands for the earth and you wear Nikes, go investigate how Nikes are made. <laughs> Sorry, vegans, I wasn't planning to say that. <laughs> but it makes, a, it makes the point. <laughs> so anyways. So that's the first point is that we need to understand our lack, and then we can start to understand why the Bible is called, why, why it's called the good news, and, and there's this thing called Read Scripture on YouTube, and they describe it like this is the Bible project. They say the Bible is a collection of books that form a unified story that points to the pers person of Jesus. The central theme of the Bible is Jesus, and this is where it begins to be good news. And if you don't believe me about that one, go read Acts 7, just some homework for you. And what Stephen does there is that he puts that central, that whole story, that unified story, Real quick, in one, in one chapter, writes the whole thing, lays it out perfectly, and you get to understand this is one, one unified story and it ends it at the person of Jesus. The central theme of the Bible is Jesus, and without Jesus, the whole thing falls on its face. And so this is the good news in a verse, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only begotten son, the central theme, so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. And so despite our lack, God loved us and he'd made a plan from the beginning to redeem us back to himself so that we could be in relationship with him again. And so through prophecies and messianic standards and picture after prophetic picture of the thing that was going to happen, he kept saying it until the time was right for Jesus to arrive. I'm going to pick out a couple of those stories that I love so much. I'm going to paraphrase it. There's the Hosea story. I'm sure you've, you've heard it said Hosea was told to marry a prostitute and then he marries the prostitute has children with her, then she leaves him again, goes back to prostitution. And then God comes back to him, a holy man, and says, go find her again, buy, buy her back, and then marry her again. It's scandalous, right? Everybody say, umshola. Nice try. I didn't think you'd commit. Good job. But that means a scandal in Kosa and in Zulu, I think. When your parents are really mad and they say, yay, they're saying, I'm going to show you a scandal. 
And this is a scandal because it doesn't make sense. And so the scandal of Isaiah going back, marrying that woman, taking her back again. And then he says, now go and tell my people that this is what I'm going to do for them. There's going to be a person among you that's going to come in real life and die, pay the price for you, you spiritual prostitutes that have turned your back on me and gone off to worldly stuff. And he is going to pay the price to have you back. They will be my people and I will be their God. Brilliant picture of what Jesus was going to do. There's another one. I'm going to really paraphrase this one. But these, the Israelites are in the desert. It's in Exodus. They've, they've gone wrong for like the 140th time. And now they're starting to get some sort of infection. I think they were bitten by snakes. And what Moses had to do, he's told by God to lift up a bronze a bronze snake and if they looked at the snake they'd be healed and this is a picture again of Jesus is that you're going to look upon the cross of Jesus Christ who's died for your sins and received healing for your body for your spirit and for society and then the person of Jesus comes himself and he dies that death on the cross for real becoming an atoning sacrifice for our sins says in 1 John 2 verse 2 he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world everybody say the whole world that means you and me there's no one who doesn't have a part in this promise no matter how bad you think you are the whole world and so this is why this is umshola this is why this is a scandal it makes no sense it's not fair but it's what you get and that's why it's called the good news It goes in Romans 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 3, verse 24, the very next verse, it says, And all are justified freely by the grace through redemption that came by Christ. And all are justified freely. I want you to catch that freely. By the grace that came from Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God only helps those who help themselves, I don't think so. God helps everybody. God helps the hope, helpless, sucky, incapable, broken person. And Paul understood this lack in himself. In some sense, he knew what Jordan Peterson was talking about within himself. And, and, and he, that gave him a deep, deep appreciation for the gospel that led him to change the world and that's what the gospel should do for you but this is what Timothy says I mean this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst of them but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, I suck. I was the worst of the sinners, but Christ died for me, showed himself, showed me mercy so that his glory could be revealed. That Ross said, that's his story. I believe that's my story. I believe that's every person's story, but you just need to come alive to the fact that you're not as good as you think you are one into the saving sacrifice of Jesus has made you perfect. He's paid the price once and for all completely and thoroughly. And freely, let me add. There's nothing you can do. I, I woke up this morning and the other guys that, 
they come to stay at my house for the weekend so that they could be up early to go serving up in Kluf. And it's funny that we'd have this conversation today. And so, guy comes into my room and he's just like, people don't understand what it means to be a Christian. Do you think just believing in God means to be a Christian? Then I was like, I like where you're going with this because you were saying you don't become a Christian by just believing in God. Because we think like, yeah, I believe in I, an idea of God, I'm a Christian. So I was like, I like where you're going with this, but then obviously had to mix up in terms between Jesus and God. It's important to make the distinction. So we made it, and then he went a little bit left. I didn't like where he was going anymore. Because now he's saying, because now he's saying, yeah, but is, is that it? Do you just believe in Jesus and you think you're saved? And we're like, yes, bro. And he's like, oh, how? And... Me and Rick proceeded to walk step by step, explaining the gospel again. <laughs> this thing is on Jesus, the atoning sacrifice completely entirely. That thing gets you into heaven. You come into heaven walking behind Jesus. You know the choo-choo train vibe? <laughs> if there was a bouncer that said, St. Peter's Gate, hey, when he asks you for your ID, you say, I know the owner. Well, the owner's son. And so you come in behind Jesus, and you, you made perfect. And then the, the thing that he was trying to get at that he had misplaced is the process of sanctification. That's a different thing altogether. You've been perfected, and then the rest of your life, living in the, being gospel-centered in a courageous community is moving towards that perfection, being sanctified. And so it's important to understand that. Paul goes on to say, because he'd understood this so well and started to receive it and internalize it, and he was so grateful, and he goes on to say, 1 Corinthians 3, I mean 2 verse 2, I'd made the decision, you know, to know nothing else while I was amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what it boils down to, to know nothing else except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no work, no deed, no word you can speak outside of believing, putting your faith in Jesus that will save you. Paul knew the gospel, and I'd encourage you to start to understand the gospel. Why is the gospel? What it's done for you and what it's doing for you. It'll change your life, and you'll come out saying stuff like this. I've made a decision to know nothing else except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here's the thing that happens. Is that Once the gospel gets into your heart, it changes your life forever. It's done that for me. It's done that for countless others that I've, I've experienced and encountered. The gospel is living and breathing and can change your life. But this is how this works. John, 3, John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. We get stuck on the first part of that. We don't finish reading. We go, oh, so how we practice the gospel is by loving people. No, as I have loved you. We learn the love of Jesus. We start to excuse me, work out the saving power of his grace, of the work he did on the cross. We go, I was such a broken person. He loved me still. Now that's the love I'm going to take out into the world. And that takes courage. Real love takes courage. I was up here a while ago speaking about community, and I was saying that we, we, we like people to be nice to us. But that's not what 
we need sometimes. Sometimes we need people to be good to us, and that's not the same thing. And so in courageous community, we need to love, and real love takes courage. <laughs> it's not the same as being nice. The way we view courage, or the, my understanding of courage is that courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's the ability to do the right thing despite that fear. I, I find myself, I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna step off a little bit, I find myself like standing on cliff edges and stuff when I'm back home in Port Edward and stuff like that, and I always go, like I'm terrified, I'm standing on the edge of a cliff, like somewhat small, like five meters, it's already scary. There's like 10, then there's this big one that we did, it's like 21 into like really deep water. And I've seen someone jump in there and then get nosebleed, and I'm like, I'm terrified when I do that. I don't, I don't even wanna, like the edge is there, this is where I stand. And I'm scared. Courage is not the absence of fear, it's not that you don't feel anything. It's that despite your fear, you act. And so I'm wondering, like, how did I get myself into these crazy white people situations? Um, um, <laughs> where there's like, I'm in the middle of, I was in Mozambique, and I hadn't surfed in a long time, and it was big, like the normal days were like chilled, and then this one day was huge, and I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. But I did it, and the whole surf turned into just me paddling around, if you've seen the point at Mozambique, I was just for 20 minutes. And I jumped in with the white guys. <laughs> One was like, whoop, gone. Next one, whoop, and then he shouts, catch a wave. I'm like, dwee. <laughs> but uh, like if it was that easy, <laughs> and I sat around that point forever, but the point is, courage isn't the absence of fear. I was terrified. But you act and you do the right thing despite, that wasn't the right thing, that was just an example. You'd... There's no NSRI, and that's what I was thinking about the whole time. It wasn't me. <laughs> I'm gonna get picked up in Sultana Bay if I don't get eaten by a tiger shark. But anyways, courage is the absence of fear, it's the ability to do the right thing despite it. So then courageous community is not that head in the sand mentality where we pretend that nothing is wrong with the world as Christians. We acknowledge the reality that life is suffering, tainted with malevolence, it sucks, it's difficult. People do terrible stuff to other people. We acknowledge that. But because of our courage in the gospel, because of the belief we have in Jesus, we choose to do the right thing despite the fear the world puts out at us. We choose not to respond to the fear, we choose to respond in faith. Does that make sense? I'm gonna make this really practical because I've, it's like God knew this was gonna happen and so I've had a, a couple of experiences. This is what it looks like in action. Last week, first situation happened, two youth kids, both boys around 15, 16, and <clears throat> man, they, they're mad at each other, <laughs> fighting over a girl, as usual, so apparently this one left, and this other one was hitting on his girlfriend while he was gone, and then the girlfriend told the other one, then obviously we weren't there at the time, like youth wasn't back, um, but they came back on Sunday, like here, yeah, and then like, this was where the Royal Rumble was gonna happen. They'd already tuned each other over the phone. How are you, how are you? I'm gonna show you. And they told their friends and now it's like, there's this hype and expectation in the air. It's going down after church. <laughs> 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 and so each guy wants to be justified in taking the, thing, the action that they're gonna take. So they come to me 
hey, look what he said, this and this and that. Tune him back. And so as soon as I could, I sort of trapped them and got them upstairs, sat them both down. And I go, like, I understand how you feel and you're justified in feeling that way if you did nothing wrong. I understand how you feel and you're just in, justified in feeling that way if you've done nothing wrong and you feel like he's offended. You've got the rights to feel like you need to punch him in the face, but here's the thing that sets you apart with you and I. We're Christians, and the one was wearing a cross, and I said, you represent this thing on, this, on, the, on your chest. This is how situations turn around. If this means nothing to you, nothing's gonna change. But if this means something to you, we have to, we're obliged to handle this situation differently. How do we get the gospel into this? And both of them sort of stared into the distance. They both knew what they had to do. It's hard. Because <laughs> this guy has already hyped everyone outside. I'm going to smack that guy. And then I, when he comes outside and they're walking together, and, ah, he's scared. That's what happens with boys. But you have to act outside of that fear. And the love that Jesus displayed for you, you display to others. Another situation, again, youth kids, keepers, youth kids. And again, they're fighting. You did this, and it comes to show me again. Look what he said. Look what he said. Bro, how do we bring the gospel into this situation so it doesn't go the way it should go or it would go otherwise? That's embarrassing, Ross. <laughs> I'm gonna get fired on Monday. It's been, <laughs> it's been real. <laughs> But anyways, so again, I go, guys, how do we get the gospel into this situation? Because it's going to go this way. The whole world with everything goes this way. The only way we go differently is if we put the gospel into the center of this. What do you think the right thing? He came up to me this morning. Hey, bro, I did what you asked me to do. I sent that message and everything is okay. I apologize and they apologize to me. And I'm watering. My eyes are watering right now. Like that's, I don't, I don't think you understand how deep that is. But yeah, and then the same thing happens with me and my mom. So we're, yes, why would that make me so emotional? <laughs> okay, my mom. <laughs> and so my mom wants me to study. I'm 25, she's 60 years. Yes, she's turning 60 this year. So she's like, I'm getting old. I need you to go back to school, finish your degree, whatever, whatever, whatever. And like, she's afraid of stuff. That's where that's coming from. She's afraid of stuff. And so to, where, to the point that I can, I try to honor my mom. But I had to sit down and go, Mom, we, if we believe in the same God, the same Jesus, I, I can't act out based on the things that you're afraid of. I feel called to this place for this time. And if I really believe that, I have to trust God that he's gonna, we're going to be okay. You know? And that's the gospel, is that when it's difficult like that, when it really doesn't make sense, we go, Jeepers, it really doesn't make sense and it's scary. But if, if, if I believe in the saving power of Jesus and that he's really with me, I'm gonna go the way I shouldn't otherwise go. When the world is saying it makes sense to go that way, I'm going that way because Jesus said. And this goes into bigger context, like I've, I'm with, with my friends and stuff, at, we were sitting again in Mozambique and obviously, like, the later it gets and the more dogems go down people's throats. 
the crazier the conversation gets. Yeah, no, hey, South Africa, hey, the president, hey. And, and eventually, Oksai, they're like, I'm scared. I don't want to, my friends are going, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to have kids at this stage. I don't want to bring kids into this cool world. I don't want to, I don't want, like, they don't want to do anything. I want to leave. I want to, like, that's still difficult for me because I'm not business-minded at all. I don't know how, like, I don't know the first thing to say because I've got no experience when I'm speaking to people like that. But I go, like, I hear you and I understand. But things are going to go the way they've always gone if we don't do something differently. And I know the person that can help you despite your fear to move in that direction. And it starts here, it starts with the gospel, the good news. And it's the good news because it is. And so if we're gonna do community well this year, any year, <laughs> if we're gonna do community well, we have to understand the gospel of the good news. We have to be centered in it. It has to be the thing that makes our decisions for us and not the fear. That's the direction we have to move in. Here's the final thing that I've got to say because here's the problem, is that we can get grown as Christians. So I've been at this church for five years and for four of those years, of no, I've been here for six years now. And for five years I've been working here almost. And so I started really early and like I got, like, I got into the deep end really quickly in some sense. And so halfway down the line, I get fooled into this thinking that I've done this for long enough I should be able to do it by myself by now. I should be able to do it on my own by now. And so we start off crawling, we start off walking with people and then we take off into a run and then we decide that that's it, I'm free. I can do it by myself now. And we move away from the saving power of Jesus into the works that can't save anyone. It says like this, you foolish Galatians, after starting in the spirit, are you now so foolish that you think you can finish in the flesh? Don't be fooled. You can't finish in the flesh. This sermon was called on Friday, Just Jesus. And it's always, always only been about just Jesus. The beginning, Jesus. The middle, Jesus. The end, Jesus. When I spoke about remaining, that's all we're called. We remain in Jesus. Always only Jesus. He's saved us. He's redeemed us. He's called us. And He's going to equip us. There's no, don't ever be fooled into thinking that there's a point where you'll get big enough to escape the grace or live outside of it. You can't do it on your own. The gospel of the good news is that Jesus died for you once for all time, completely and thoroughly free of charge to you. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray and then I don't know if Russ, do you want us to come up still? <laughs> Russ is going to come up. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak about your grace and what it's done in my life and what you're, what you're doing in other people's lives, Jesus. Thank you so much, God, for your saving power that sent your one and only son Thank you that it, your love drove you to do that, Jesus. And I just pray that we could start to open our hearts to what that means for us, Jesus. That despite the fact that we're sinners and that we're broken, you meet us where you are and you take us forward, Jesus. Thank you so much 
so much for the power of the cross, Jesus, to change our lives and lead us to do things differently. So I just pray that as we go into this week, we won't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, if you're a Christian and, and you think you've got past the gospel, you haven't. You just haven't really understood it. And uh, if you're not a Christian today, I want to tell you two things. One, we're having a baptism class um, tomorrow night. And is it tomorrow night? The following, the following Monday? There it is behind me. And, uh, and we're having a get filled evening. And I, I want to tell you why those are so important. Baptism is a literal, you know, it's, it's one thing to put up your hand and say, Jesus, come to my life. And I'm going to allow some of you to do that this morning. It's a whole nother ball game to say in front of a community, I give myself to Jesus. And when you do that, something spiritually breaks off you. And I've literally seen people in depression get set free and, and live in joy. There's, there's a, a breaking off. And for some of you, you haven't been baptized. And so I want you to come, not this one and the following one, to the cross so that you can understand the power of it. And the second thing is get filled. So I, uh, very cute, I'll look back. Uh, get filled. It means that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit fills inside of you, you change. And so those two things you really want to take a step into. So get filled is tomorrow. There we go. Tomorrow at 7 and baptized at the end of the week. And so I really encourage you. If you, if you came today and you want to take a next step, do that. But I'm going to pray for you. If, if you want to accept Christ into your life, whilst everybody bows their heads and closes their eyes, if you want to say, Jesus, come into my life, I understand this message today, won't you just stick up your hands so I can pray for you? Is anybody here? See your hands, see your hands. See your hands. For those three, four hands that I can see, you pray this in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I acknowledge I'm faulty. I deeply, deeply, deeply need you. And I ask today, as you come into my life, that I'll experience you making me alive and changing me. And I thank you for your grace in my life. Amen.